0: Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are your family. We're going to be together forever because of your love for us, Lord Jesus. And you call upon us to to serve you. And help us to understand that as families collectively, as families individually, that we are called upon to share your love and to live it out. And help us to understand what that looks like. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I start, um, I want to share with you what's happening over the next um, uh, probably two months, almost leading up to Easter. Is, is um, there are four different sermon series going to be going on simultaneously, um, especially as of March first when we start our midweek Lenten. And they're kind of listed for you in the um, shepherd announcements. On Saturday evenings, I'm leading a series um, called "Living a Great Life Now," and kind of tying into I think when I was growing up, I thought. You know, the fun is, is when you get to heaven. It's going to be great in heaven, but I'm seeing more and more in the Bible that, that God wants to have a great life now, and the Word of God really lays out how that is possible. And then here on Sunday mornings on the Shea campus, um, Pastor Allen, is, is, um, this is kind of his sermon idea. He'll be doing most of the sermons, and I'll be um, pitch hitting once in a while and it's called Jesus Up Close. So look into the pericopes that are for this time of year in the church here, but that's the, all the topics um, for the Gospels focus on the life of Jesus and what that looks like and, and how we can learn from his example. And then on the Mountain View campus on Sundays, um, The Case for Faith, Pastor Jeremy's leading a series over there, and I'll pitch it over there once in a while as well, um, dealing with some of the life's toughest questions and how the Bible answers those questions. Then Wednesdays um, in Lent, that starts on March 1st, there's going to be two. Two opportunities to worship on the Wednesdays um, at seven o'clock at night, and at six o'clock there's going to be a meal um, from six to seven. That's over in this campus, and then at eight thirty in the morning, the same message, but it's going to be done with the um, the day school children for um, for chapel service. And so you can come either at eight thirty in the morning or seven o'clock at night, or early if you want to have the meal. So um, be aware of those opportunities. It's called knowing Jesus, focusing on the I am statements of Jesus. Today the focus is going to be on love wins. And um, with that, God calls us for a very important calling to share his love. And what does that look like? And we're going to take a, a deeper look into that today. But I want to start out by taking us back to the very beginning of time, to the Garden of Eden. And, you know, God made everything how? It was all good. It was great. It was perfect. And Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship with God, a perfect relationship with themselves and God's love perfect relationship with each other, perfect relationship with nature. Everything was fantastic until what happened? Sin. When they fell into sin, everything changed. Everything began to fall apart. Their relationship with God was damaged. Their relationship with themselves In fact, they realized they were naked. They tried to hide from God. They were ashamed of each other, ashamed of themselves. The relationship with nature began to break down. This perfect image of love was shattered by sin. And it hasn't been the same since, except God in his love did not give up on his creation. We see right away in Genesis chapter 3 that God promised the descendant of Eve will come and crush the head of Satan. The promise that one day a Savior would come, and that's Jesus, and he has come. And through his perfect life, through his death, through his resurrection, we are forgiven. And the way to heaven is open for us. By God's love, we're saved. But as we live out our days on this planet, he's calling us to a higher standard. To be recreated, to be reshaped in his image. And that's the image of love. And that's the challenge he gives us in the gospel text for today. In the Bible, we see different words in the Greek for the word love. We have one word in our, our English language can mean a lot of different things. The Greek was a very precise language. They had stargo, which was a familiar, family type of love. They had phileo, a friendship type of love. Eris, a sensual form of love. But then when Jesus came in the scene, a whole new definition, a whole new word popped on into their culture, into their language, agape. A perfect unconditional love that gives and gives and gives without expecting in return and that's the love that jesus brought to this world it's a love he wants us to grow in a love he wants us to live out and to share in our lives in fact jesus takes all the laws all the commandments in the old testament including the ten commandments and compiles them into two commandments to summarize everything to love God and to love your neighbor. This is our calling. We're saved by his love, but now we're called as we live our lives to live in his love for him and for one another. And what we see today in our gospel lesson is we see some imagery. And Jesus was so good in, when he taught, not just to give information, but to show imagery, to show how love is meant to be shared. And, and for a lot of different situations in the, in the Bible. And one of the analogies um, he's allowing to actually happen outside today, analogy of rain. When rain falls, the rain does it only fall on certain people, okay? Or does it only fall on the righteous? He says, no, the rain falls on the righteous and on the unrighteous. The rain falls on people that you may feel close to. The rain falls on people you may feel far away from. The rain falls on everybody. It falls indiscriminately in the same way God's love falls and meant to be received by who? Everybody. He talks about the sunshine. That's an analogy we can probably relate to a lot here in in Arizona. That sun shines on who? Everybody. The sun indiscriminately shines on all people. That's what the sun does. It gives off its energy. It gives off its light. It gives off its power. And we're all affected by it. God's love is meant for everybody. And fortunately, a lot of people don't realize it. For those of us that believe in God, we believe in Jesus, we need to realize that love is pouring on us all the time. And it's awesome to receive that love. In the same way Jesus calls us to love all people, in fact, he goes so far as to say, Don't just love the people that you're close to. Love your enemies. Love those who persecute you. Is that an easy thing to do? Love the bad people out there that do terrible things to us. Does that kind of sound strange? Actually, Jesus models that in his word. He models it in his life. When he was dying on the cross, all around him were people that put him there. Probably some of the the chief priests, some of the the, the people that that, were crying out, crucify him. He is suffering the most painful form of death ever invented by mankind, crucifixion. Pain and agony. He can look down and he can be angry saying, how dare you put me? He was an innocent man, done nothing wrong. He looks down and says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. There's a lesson for us to learn there. Okay, For those of us who know Jesus, sometimes I think we expect too much out of the people out there that don't know Jesus, or people have different ideologies than we do. You see, Jesus looked at them and realized they're spiritually sleeping. They just don't get it. Their hearts are closed to the truth. He felt bad for them. He wanted them to receive the truth. So often what we as Christians do, we get angry and upset about people who may persecute us or people of different ideologies than we have. Jesus wants us to be thinking, you know what? Maybe we're expecting too much out of them. They're sinful human beings like all of us. In fact, they don't even know what it's like to have Jesus in their life like we do. If anything, rather than getting angry and upset with people, we should feel what? Sympathy. We should feel hurt for them. But they're missing out on what God has opened our eyes and our hearts to believe and to trust in, to change our mentality. And the more that we do that, we might find more of an openness to love all people. Love people we can hate what? Hate the sin. But love people. That's what Jesus modeled. That's what he shows us. That's what he still does. You look in the Bible, we see a lot of other examples. I know some of you are going through the, um, through the Bible in a year. And I want to encourage you to stick with it. I just, I know about 300 people are doing this. In fact, if more want to join, we still have more of the life journals that have the readings for the week. And this last week, we're reading about, in the book of Acts, about Paul. And I'm just amazed at how Paul, in every aspect of his life, tied in his faith. Every aspect of his life, he loved people. He was put in prison for having done nothing wrong. And while he was in prison, God allowed for there to be this earthquake, and the cell opened up, and he was, he was able to, to get away. He was, He's was leaving the prison, and the jailer inside the prison was about to do what, for those of you reading. He took out his sword and was going to do what? He was going to kill himself because he knew he would get in big-time trouble if Paul had escaped. Paul sees that, and rather than taking his jail-free card, he stops and says, Don't do that. Let's go to your house. We're going to your house. He goes to jailer's house, and there he shares the love of Christ with his whole family. His whole family is baptized, and Paul went back to prison that night because he didn't want to get the guy in trouble. The next day he was freed uh, because he was a Roman citizen, had done nothing wrong. But what's amazing to me is he took the time for one person that maybe was, that, that prison guard may have been giving him a hard time, but yet he loved that prison guard enough to do what he did. That's an example. That's what it looks like to to love even your enemies. That's what God calls us to do. Now, how are we going to do that in our lives? And I want to encourage you to think about that. So often, I think a lot of what we hear in life is information. You know, Jesus gave information, but he gave a lot of imitation. This is how you do it. In fact, his disciples got to watch how it was done. And so, I decided my teaching going forward, I want to have you have the opportunity to see more how it's done. We heard Pastor Dave share earlier you know, about what he's, some of the things he's doing. Right now we're going to see a video of a gal that took some initiative to learn how to get more involved in the lives of her neighbors, how she could love her neighbors. Please watch the screen and see an example of how somebody grew in their ability to love their neighbor.
1: I always thought I'd go far away on mission. I really did. I really thought my calling would be international, and I never, never in a million years thought that the Lord would ask me to walk outside of my door and get to know my neighbors. I'm Kristen Schell, and I live in Austin, Texas. I am a wife and a mother of four children. Any given day, I am in the kitchen, or in the minivan. I am active in the kids' school. I'm a writer, and I volunteer at church. We've been in this neighborhood um, almost 10 years. I always knew we were supposed to love our neighbors, because that's the great commandment. But how you live that out day to day is hard, um, especially when you don't know your neighbors, which is the situation I was in. I did not know my neighbors. Sure, I knew, you know, a handful of them. And so there was this huge questioning. what do you want me to do, Lord? Here I am, Lord. What do you want me to do? Do you want me to walk across the street and bang on doors? Do you want me to take cookies? What do you want me to do, Lord? God answers prayers in really winsome ways. I was hosting a party with a friend in our backyard, and I didn't have any tables. And so I ordered a picnic table from Lowe's, and when it arrived two days later, I knew. I knew that for the purposes of the party, I was going to have it in my backyard. But as soon as that party was over, I was moving that table in the front yard, and it was going to be a gathering place. And so I painted it turquoise, which is my favorite color, and I did. I put it outside, underneath a tree, in the front yard. It was awkward at first. So I have this table. It's bright turquoise. It's sitting in the front yard. And now I'm like, well, now what do I do? So I took a whole bunch of stuff out with me. I took my phone and my journal and my computer. And I even um, I had some art stuff that I was working on because, you know, I needed to look like I was just doing something. But going out front, I was saying to God, here I am, Lord, your will be done. Go before, behind, and beside me. Into the neighborhood. And that very day, life changed, and I met a neighbor within three hours of putting a table out in my front yard. A lot has happened since putting the table out there. There are a handful of women who are now very close friends who I did not know. It has become kind of a gathering
0: place. I'm Bob. This is my daughter, Peggy. (laughs)
1: So one of the best things is just the sense of normal community, everyday life the neighborhood kids come over they'll do homework when the weather's pretty we've had lemonade stands, hot cocoa stands more intimately um, it's a place where I can meet and have met neighbors um, who now pop by with coffee and just for 15 minutes a, co- a conversation over coffee that wouldn't have happened the Lord has taught me and I am learning to be present um, that it Sounds like it should be a no brainer, but listening is not um, a skill that came naturally at first to me, nor was being present. This is really, really fun. It was great to see you. Here. Loving my neighbors has taught me how to love God better. It's drawn me into deeper relationship with Him. You don't need permission or a program to go outside and be who Christ has called you to be. When we open up our front door and we take three steps right out our front yard, good things happen. Open up your door and let God do the rest.
0: So walk out the front door, let God take care of the rest. I love that statement, because I think so often in this day and age, people just want to stay inside, stay protected from the world, where God's calling upon us to engage with the world. I'm not sure if the picnic idea would work for, for all of you. Probably for some of you, if you put a picnic table in your front yard, the HOA is going to write you up. <laughs> but what is God calling us to do? Okay, what are we going to do? What is God putting on your heart to do? We've got an opportunity to, to start this journey more on a Saturday, to go into a, a neighborhood very different than, than Scottsdale, right Pastor Dave? And God calls us, you know, in our own different ways, to be creative, to figure out the opportunities he gives to us, and to walk through those opportunities, walk out the door and, and be involved in those opportunities, and to um, maybe cut out some of the things in our life that we think are so important that we're spending too much time doing that really are not that important. What I want to do to kind of bring this all together is I want to focus in on what this love that God talks about is like, this, this love towards your enemies and towards those who persecute you. What does that look like? And, and the first thing is that love is indiscriminate. It's indiscriminate. It's for everybody. And here's a challenge. We sometimes discriminate. We label people. We judge people. Someone looks a certain way, we, before we even know them, we judge them. Someone acts a certain way or a certain ethnic group, or whatever it is. Sometimes people judge others, and it's wrong, because the bottom line is every person has their own journey. Every person is unique and special, a special creation of God. No matter what they're going through, the key to make every person become the best they can be is by loving them. Love causes things to blossom, just like the sun the rain causes the flowers to, to blossom and to flourish. And we see that, that beautiful imagery. That that rain is an example. You think of rain and the sun, how it creates plants you know, to grow, and, and those flowers, they blossom, and they, they show their love and show their beauty to anybody, not just certain people. Or a tree that grows and has shade, and it's a hot day. That shade is not just for certain people. That shade can be for anybody. In the same way, we're called to indiscriminately share the love of God on a daily basis to anybody. Yes, we can hate sin, but we're called upon to love the sinner no matter who they are. Love is indiscriminate. Secondly, love is gracious. The love of Jesus, it gives without expecting in return. When Jesus was dying on that cross, he wasn't doing it for himself. He was perfect. He did it for us. And the Bible says in Hebrews, he considered a pure joy to die on the cross for our sins. How can he experience joy through that excruciating pain? You see, the bottom line was he wasn't thinking about himself. He was thinking about us because he loves us. And love just graciously gives and gives without expecting in return. I want you to think in your life, times that you've given graciously of your time or resources. How does it make you feel, especially when you do it in the name of God? Isn't it a wonderful feeling? You know, each um, month, my favorite hour every month, um, it's, it's because of his fault over there, Randy's fault. Um, you know, he, he works at Crossroads, and, and he's asked me to do a Bible study once a month. And, and I get that call, and it's always, okay, it's a busy week, and i got to drive across traffic to the other side of town. And, and um, every time I get there, I'm so blessed to, to be sharing with 25 to 30 guys that are struggling with terrible addictions in their lives. And every time I feel God's love flowing through me to them, that I just feel God's love and his grace for those people. And I'm driving back in terrible traffic. I'm thinking, that was, that was worth it. That was so incredible. But to get outside of our comfort zones, and the more that we do that, the more we're going to see amazing things happen, just to, to give God the opportunity to work through us and to let his love pour through us. It's indiscriminate. It's gracious. And finally, it is to be the essence of who we are. We're called to be disciples. Disciples disciple is known by love. How are we doing in our lives of discipleship? It's all based upon how we're growing in our love for God and our love for others. And it should be the essence of who we are. God is love. It's not like God's here and love's here. No, God is love. And as we grow in our faith, love should flow naturally. That as we're going through our day, every person that we see, no matter who they are, in our heart we can say, I love that person. That person's special. Even if they did something bad to you, I still love that person. Don't like what they did, but I want the best for that person. In life, if you want to be good at something, what do you need to do? You've got to practice, right? And what I see in the world, a lot of people practicing to be really good at certain worldly things, and I realize to some degree we have to do that for a career or whatever it might be, but the most important thing we should want to be good at is What? Being good followers of Jesus Christ. Okay? Being good Christians, good disciples for Jesus. If you want to be a great tennis player, your father doesn't say, okay, take this racket and swing it, and you're, all of a sudden you're going to be really good. You want to be a great tennis player, you've got to learn more about the sport, but you've got to get out there and practice and practice and practice and practice and practice until eventually you're playing tennis. You're not even thinking about it. You're just, it's just flowing from you. If you start thinking about it, sometimes it's when you mess up. It should be the essence of who you are. The same is true in our Christian life. That should be our highest calling. I want to be a better Christian for Jesus. We're saved by faith in Christ. If we believe in Jesus, we're going to heaven. But we, Jesus gives us a pretty high calling here. He says, be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect. That's raising the bar way high. And we're not going to be perfect ourselves. I've got to be clear with you on that. We're not going to be perfect ourselves, but through Jesus Christ, we're forgiven. Right now... Every one of us in this room is perfect through Christ, but we're called to follow Him now, to strive to love more like Him. And I want to encourage us when we leave here today to be thinking about this. I want to encourage today that when we leave the sanctuary, love—the love of God—is pouring out to restaurants, to homes, to businesses, to neighborhoods. This week, as long as we're walking this planet, that's the calling the calling, for us to love like Jesus loves us, like Jesus loves everybody. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us so much. In spite of our sin, you've forgiven us. Right now, there's perfection in this room. But Lord, as we go forth today, help us to practice what the most important thing is, to live out your word, not just to know your word, to live it out, to to serve, to love. Even those that are difficult to, for us to love, even those that may hurt us. Lord, help us to just love indiscriminately. Help us to love graciously. Help us to be filled with your love to the point where love is just who we are. Let this be our journey. Each one of different places. But realizing through you, Jesus, we're forgiven, we're saved. But Lord, I pray that today love is going to pour out of the sanctuary. Love is going to pour out into our community, into our world. In a few short moments, when we leave. In Jesus' name, amen.